You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. I want you to read this together with me. This is on the screen right now. Let's read this together. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. That's Jesus talking. Excuse me. After he's been arrested and questioned by a Roman governor named Pilate, Pilate has no idea who he is talking to when he um, when he gets this word from this guy. He's, he's just he's for him. This is like a game. That's what this is. It's everything for him is a power play. And this conversation with this guy named Jesus, it's just one more power play and a whole bunch of power plays for this Roman leader. But for Jesus, this is not a power play. This is Jesus trying to give a man a fair shot at the truth. And so he says as much. He says, Pilate, listen, there's a, there's a kingdom you know nothing about over which you have no control and to which right now you do not belong. You're not a citizen. My kingdom is not of this world, which makes no sense to Pilate. <laughs> all he knows all he has imagination for is the Roman Empire. That, that, that power, his power, his empire is no context for what God is doing in the world. For, for, for how he is actually participating in that moment. Pilate has no idea that right then, in that moment, in that conversation, he is participating in, one of the, in, the, in the most historic act in human history. No idea. And my question is, I wonder if we actually understand it that way. You know, do we, do we get that God is at work all around us doing things we know nothing about? And, and a lot of times we're missing it because our worldview just doesn't give us bandwidth for seeing what God is doing. So that's the great revelation in Jesus' last days. God is doing a new thing. So let's say this together. God is doing a new thing. Something most people of his day would not have believed even if they were told, they couldn't believe it. And it's the same for us. It's hard to see what God sees. Let me get an amen in the room. It is hard to see what God sees. Amen? It's just hard to see it. To recognize the great moves that have nothing to do with this fallen world and everything to do with the kingdom of God. So this is how we're going to make our way to the cross and to the empty tomb. We're going we're gonna to begin today, and we're going to, over the next, uh, the weeks in between now and Easter, we're going to be looking at three chapters in John, the, uh, the gospel according to John, chapters 17, 18, and 19. So if you have a Bible, turn to chapter 17. The best way to engage the message is always with the Bible, something to write on, something to write with. And right there in chapter 17, we get it. We hear this. We begin with a prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus prays before all the rest of it happens. <laughs> and, and, and he prays. He starts by praying for glory. I actually need to give you a little bit of a runway. So I'm going to start in John chapter 16, verse 33. 
Just so you can hear Jesus say this. Jesus says, I, he's talking to his friends now. He hasn't started praying yet. And he says, I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. So where do we get peace? Jesus. In Jesus, right? In me you may have peace. In this world you're going to have trouble. And we can all say amen to that. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. You're going to have trouble in this world. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And then he starts in chapter 17. After he said this, Jesus looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. In fact, I want to ask you to do this. I want you to circle every time you see the word glory as we read through this chapter. Spoiler alert, it happens about nine times. Glory or glorify? Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. And then he does this. This is huge. I want you to underline all of verse 3. Because he defines for us what eternal life is. He says, and this is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I mean, he's really clear about this. Just in case you don't know who I am, I am Jesus the Christ. So eternal life is that we might know the Father and Jesus whom he sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world even began. He's been doing this a while, y'all. <laughs> So God gives, has given Jesus authority over all human life, and he has done so from the beginning of time. So he can give, so that Jesus can give glory to God and eternal life to those to whom God gives the gift of salvation. That's what, he, what it means to glorify the Father. It means pointing people toward eternal life, toward kingdom life, which is life in God. So verse 3 puts it, Plainly, lays it out for us. This is eternal life, that they may know you, and they, that they may know you, they is we. They is us. You is they. <laughs> that they may know us. That, sorry, that they may know him. Sorry. <laughs> that they may know you. Let me just stay here. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Let me say this again. This is eternal life. To know the one and only true God and to know Jesus Christ. Which means, listen to this. Which means that eternal life is not something out there somewhere we're trying to get to. It's not waiting for us when we die. Jesus is announcing to his first century world and to every century after this that there a new kind of life has been given to the world. A new kind of life. And, and we can possess this new life, this eternal life, right here, right now. So when we talk about eternal life, we're not talking about a place we go when we die. We're talking about sharing the life of God. Now. You know how it is when you, um, when you have a vacation planned. I will take this opportunity to welcome John Kenny and his wife Shauna and his son into the, to our house. We all welcome them there. It's always such a blessing when a pastor from another church comes to visit us. So y'all 
straighten up and act right, okay? Um, but it really is. I mean, it's a blessing when somebody from another church comes to visit us. John's on sabbatical. Um, that means he gets a good bit of time off. And I bet heading toward that sabbatical, I don't know, I'm just going to use John as a mercilessly because he's my good friend. Um, but I bet when you're heading toward something like that, you're getting everything in place, doing everything you can possibly do so that they will not text, email, or call you even once for the next six weeks. Am I right or am I right? It's the way I would do it in my fantasy world, maybe one day. Um, and, you, and you do it when you go on vacations, right? And especially if you have a bad job. John has a great job. I have a great job. Some people have just a job that you, you're vac you, you, you work so you can go on vacation. Anybody here like that? You have a job where you just want to get to vacation. And so the worse your job is, the more you're looking forward to vacation. And you're looking for it. And, and, and you think to yourself, what you're thinking is, this job is something I have to endure until I get to the thing that's going to be the best thing in the world ever. This is now, but this is great. Maybe somehow we have allowed our salvation message the, the message of Jesus to morph into that kind of message. This life is something we have to endure so we can get to the thing that is the best thing ever. Do you hear me? Almost like heaven is the vacation and this is the bad job. Don't get me wrong. Standing in the unhindered presence of the most loving being in the universe has to be better than standing in line at Kroger. I give you that. I give you that. But the bigger truth is that eternal life is God's kind of life. And eternal life begins the moment I say, I give myself to you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior. If I choose to share in the life of Christ, then I'm sharing in God's kind of life now. I'm living my eternal life now. Eternal life begins now. I don't know of any other truth that has more power to bring more peace and more joy and just more to, to, to glorify God. Listen, to glorify God is to embrace this truth, that eternal life is God's kind of life now. So in Christ's suffering and death, God was glorified. And in our surrender to that truth, God is glorified. And the payoff is eternal life now. All your biggest questions answered now. So this is the work of anybody who follows Jesus. It is to glorify the living God the way Jesus glorified the Father. We glorify God by believing in the truth of Jesus Christ, by obeying his word and call on our lives, and by lifting him up in all things, always putting Christ before us. And nothing gives me more pleasure than to see another person from Mosaic picking up the call of God on their life and living it out vocationally and in that way glorifying God. And so today we're going to hear from one of them. Maggie, I want you to come. Um, be careful there on your way up. Let me give you a little space this time. Um, Maggie is the best. She's just the best. Maggie is just the best. Give her a hand. Come on, y'all. Maggie is just the best. And Maggie was, 
Maggie was with us last summer. Just before she left, she shared a little of her story. She has a whole other chapter to share with us today. And so I've asked Maggie to come and tell us what's going on in your life. Yeah. Come on, tell us. All right, um, go. Yeah, so I'm Maggie Freitag. I'm the daughter of Mark and Amy Freitag. Um, they're here more often than I am now. Um, I'm off at school. Um, but I grew up in church, and I attended Mosaic, started attending Mosaic when I was seven or eight. Um, however, Jesus became real to me in a really simple moment. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when the youth group was transitioning from 180 to Epic, um, I was in sixth grade at the time, and I was in a small group led by my dad. Um, the beauty of it was that I was the only person in the small group. Um, and with that came a lot of awkward moments where I didn't have the answers, but it was also really beautiful and really sweet. Um, and so one night, I honestly couldn't tell you what we were talking about. Um, I just remember there was a gentle tug on my heart, and I wanted more. Um, so my dad and I interrupted another small group of uh, older adults that was meeting in the room we used to call the Motown Theater, um, now the kids' room. Um, and we just asked if they would pray over me. Um, so immediately, they stopped what they were doing. And they gathered around me. And soon enough, what, be, what had been a gentle tug became a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, so after I got baptized by spirit and water, I kind of just took my salvation and ran with it. Um, I was hungry for whatever the Lord had for me. Um, there was one moment where I was praying and I mustered up the courage to say, Lord, whatever you have uh, with my life, I'll do it. Um, and as a 12-year-old, those are really powerful words. Um, and I really didn't understand all of it, but the Lord answered me. And he gave me the word missionary. Um, truthfully, I had no idea what that meant. I just knew it had something to do with going overseas. Um, but there was this map in my childhood bedroom. Um, and I would just sit in front of it and pray and ask God, Lord, where would you send me? Um, and on one occasion, he revealed Kenya. And I just want to share this with you. I wove this in my seventh grade art class, I believe. It's Africa. I don't know if you can tell. That is a heart around Kenya. And now it kind of just serves as a memorial. And it's just, it's so sweet looking back on that. Um, but a couple years later, maybe, um, Mosaic was hosting a GIC. And that's where I was first introduced to TMS Global. Um, at the end of the conference, Pastor Carolyn gave us the chance to respond by praying about which mission, organization, or partner we wanted to support, whether that be by prayer or financially. Um, and I felt led to pray for TMS, and we'll come back to that in a second. Um, so about seven years have gone by since that moment. I'm 19 now. I don't know if I look like it. I probably still look like I'm 12. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but I just want to say that those seven years were so necessary. Uh, the promise was there, and I was clinging to it. But there were so many things that the Lord had in store for me in the waiting. I was disciplined, and I was stretched, and I was loved. And in all those things, the Lord continued to unravel the call that he had placed on my life. He revealed my passion for healthcare when I was in high school and led me to go to the University of North Georgia, where I'm currently at. Um, and even in the two years that I've been in college and the semester that I've been in nursing school, um, the Lord has just uh, further revealed the call to me and given me so many dreams and visions for the future I have with him working as a nurse overseas. The Lord is really sweet and um, how he works, and I'm so grateful for the waiting and the process. But let's bring it back to Kenya and TMS. So this past summer, as Carolyn had mentioned, um, 
I spoke and just as we were meeting about that, she brought up Greenlight Medical, um, which is something that TMS does. Um, and it sparked my interest, so I looked on their website uh, just to see what locations they had. Um, and their summer 2023 locations hadn't been released yet, so I just submitted an interest form and um, I ended up hopping on a call with the lady just to get more information about the heart of, of Greenlight. Um, and on that call, the woman I spoke to revealed that the location for the upcoming summer trip would be Kenya. Um, and as soon as she said this, the word that the Lord had spoken to me when I was 12 just hit me like a bus. And I was like, I have to go. Um, and so I began the application process. And it was quite hefty and lengthy. And it really uh, brought a lot, lot out of me um, and just allowed me to be vulnerable. Um, and it ended with an interview. Um, so the interview went really well. Um, and I just asked when I would hear back from them about their decision. And they told me, you know, it'll probably be a week or two or something. I was like, okay, sounds great. Um, and then five minutes later, after we had ended that interview, I got a phone call saying that they wanted me to go to Kenya with them. Um, and so I sobbed like a baby. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> um, so with all of that being said, I will be in Kenya from May 26th to June, June 26th this summer um, with two doctors and another nursing student from Anderson University. I'll be in a small town called Mawa, um, just observing nurses and doctors at the local hospital to learn more about cross-cultural ministry and healthcare. Um, and I'm so excited. <laughs> um, the Lord is wild and crazy and so faithful in keeping his promises. Um, so I would love for you guys to pray for me as the Lord continues for preparing me for the adventure that is Kenya. Prayer is powerful. It is what has allowed me to see the promise and to step into it. I'm still fundraising for this trip also. So if you feel led to give, I'd love talking with you afterwards about ways to do so. Um, but my heart behind sharing all of this with you is to simply say thank you. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that has watched me grow in this calling and that has been quick to support me. I know that this trip to Kenya is just the beginning of the ministry that the Lord has placed before me. It is such a blessing that he has used those seven years for this moment and will continue preparing me for my daily life with him and for what is ahead. And I want to also remind you that the Lord is faithful and his timing is perfect. Whatever promise he has made to you, he will keep them. And he wants to build your faith in the waiting. As I said, we serve a wild and crazy God, but his will is perfect. Not a moment is rushed or wasted with him. So hold fast to what he has spoken to you. And so just as this has served as a memorial stone to me, I want to leave you with Joshua 4, 4 through 7. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, uh, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Amen. Amen. I was just so proud. Amen. I was just so proud. So, um, TMS Global. 
that was a mission partner that you, she, she talked about the GIC, which is a global impact celebration. If you haven't been here that long, then you might not recognize those, that acronym, but we did about five of them, and then we had to stop for a building project, and then the pandemic stopped us, and so, so we're, 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 we'll be back at it in October this year. And if you wonder how a global impact celebration can actually impact a real life, Maggie is a testament to that. Yeah, yeah she... I mean, it was, it, was, it was through hearing about TMS Global and our continued partnership with TMS Global that she has this opportunity open to her. So um, support TMS, excuse me, support the Global Impact Celebration yes. when you begin to hear about it in October. And support Maggie. You need to pray for her. Maggie, tell them how much it costs to be on this trip. Um, it costs $4,000. Um, and I've started fundraising. I have about 2600 left to go. So, okay, people. <laughs> Um, let's make sure that she goes and that she goes uh, uh, out of the generosity of this church, okay? So make sure that she gets there. What I'm going to ask you to do, Maggie, if you'll go on down to the front, and what I'm going to do is just, we're going to pray for her. Because Jesus said that, 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 that we would be glorified as he is glorified, right? No, that's not how he said it. That we would glorify him, that we would glorify him as he glorifies the Father. That's the way that works. That, that we would have the opportunity to glorify God as he, glorif uh, as he glorifies God. So that's what we're going to pray for. So if there's anybody else who wants to come lay hands on Maggie, y'all come lay hands on her right now. Just come up, lay hands on her. If you're going to stay seated where you are, just hold a hand in her direction. And after we pray for Maggie, I'm going to pray for her. And after we pray for her, then, um, then Maggie is going to pray for us that we also would glorify the Father the way Jesus glorifies the Father. So, Lord Jesus, my prayer over Maggie right now is a prayer of anointing, that she would go on behalf of this house to preach the gospel in all the ways you've given her to preach it, whether it means giving away a shot or, or uh, sitting at, at someone's feet and listening to them tell their story or walking the extra mile to make sure someone's child gets cared for in all the ways, God, that she serves Christ this summer from May 26th to June 26th, we're asking God that there would be just like, like holy dust surrounding her. That she, would, that she would see where you are at work so she can step in and serve where you'd have her serve. And God, I pray that this time this summer would inspire Maggie toward her next step. We realize, God, there's a lot more steps in Maggie's life before she lives full time on other soil. God, we're asking you to smooth the path for her, to, to, to make a way even on days where there seems to be no way. And I pray, God, that you would cause us to be the church for Maggie, to come around her in all the ways necessary so she never feels alone, so she always knows she is covered by prayer and love and provision. And so, God, she can be the church for those she's been given as well, to be an extension of our ministry. As far as you take her, Lord, to be an extension of our ministry. And God, if you would do that, we would be so grateful. We love, honor, and worship you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Maggie, you pray for us. Um, just to be a part of a church that is so passionate about you 
I don't feel the need to ask for passion, God, because it's here. Lord, I just ask that you would refine it, Jesus. Lord, that you would refine the callings that are in this room over the young people. Lord, I ask for attention and awakening. Lord, the call that you've placed on their life is important, Jesus. And I just ask that you would you would walk in the promises that you've given them, Lord. And over the older adults, Lord, you're not done with them, Jesus. You're not done with them, Lord. I just ask that you would continue to just reveal your depth to them, God, Lord. You still have so much more in store for them, Lord. And Jesus, I just ask that you would continue to reveal your beauty to us, Lord. You are beautiful, Lord, and thank you for just allowing us to encounter your beauty, Jesus. Lord, use the passion, use the fire that is in this room, Lord, whether it be um, Kenya or Haiti or wherever, God, Lord, uh, even here in Augusta, Jesus, the calls that you've placed um, in these people's hearts, Lord, they're important. Lord, I just ask that you would give us the resources um, and just the wisdom to, to pursue you um and you're calling Jesus you are beautiful yeah. Lord you are beautiful Lord Jesus thank you uh, just for inviting us into your holiness Lord and for inviting us to 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 glorify you what an honor it is to glorify you Jesus what an honor it is just to glorify you Lord we love you Jesus we're so grateful for all that you are amen amen amen, amen. praise God isn't it awesome to see the body of Christ working in this way. So awesome. So we just practiced the next section of, Je of John 17. Jesus prays for us and we prayed for each other in the same way that he prays for us. So look at John 17, verse 6. I've, I've revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. Maggie's one that we were given. They were yours, you gave them to me and, and they've obeyed your word. And now they know everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. I'm just praying for the ones you've given me, for they're yours. I can't tell you how often I say that in front of Jesus about you. I'm not praying for everybody. I'm just praying for the ones you've given me. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Parents, do you hear that prayer? They're not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And then he ends with this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. So he starts by saying the prayer is just for the ones he's been given, for his followers on earth. But then he expands it and he says, I'm praying for everybody. I'm not just praying for them, but for everybody who believes in me. Which means that Jesus has prayed, is praying for you. 
That blows my mind every time I read this passage. Jesus has actually prayed for me, for you. He has prayed for all of us who believe in him and, and, and for everybody who will believe in him into the future. Jesus prayed for the ones who haven't heard. He prayed for the ones who eventually would hear. He prayed for all who would believe for every age, which means that Jesus prayed for us. Thanks be to God. My prayers for you may not mean that much, but Jesus' prayers for you mean a lot. You know, this is basically a prayer happening inside the mind of God. God the Father and God the, the Son are having a conversation. And so this prayer is happening inside the mind of God. Let that sort of blow your brain a little bit right now. That the Father and the Son have prayed intimately for you. Amen. Come on, y'all. <laughs> have prayed for you. And you have to believe that if Jesus prays it, it's probably a prayer the Father is going to answer. So before he left this earth, Jesus looked up to heaven. The scripture says, and he prayed for you. He prayed a real prayer that you might be just as close to God as he was. That you would know that he came from God and was sent here for your benefit. That you would be able to live God's kind of life on earth. That you would know God loves you every bit as much as he loves Jesus himself. Jesus prayed that prayer over us. We are people for whom Jesus prays. Whether you believe in him or not, you are someone for whom Jesus prays. You can't not be that. You can't not be that. You are somebody for whom Jesus prays. He's praying for your faith, for your salvation, for transformation in your life, even if you're not ready to receive it yet. And that same Jesus, who is the very essence of eternal life, is also praying for the people in Haiti and Ukraine and India and Kenya. He's been interceding for, for he, God is right now, has been interceding for, for people that Maggie has not yet met. So she's not climbing a mountain to get there. She's, again, the slide has been lubricated and she is just running it. Talk about walking on a red carpet. If Jesus has prayed your way into a room, then how beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? So pray. Pray in that spirit. Pray that God, that, that, that those God has given us will have the full measure of his joy within them. Pray over somebody who is dealing with depression or anxiety that, that, that they might have the full measure of God's joy. Pray that the people you love might be sanctified by the truth. Pray that your people might have God's kind of life, which is, um, it, which is rooted in the truth. Don't spend your prayers trying to protect the people you love from suffering. Pray that they would be delivered from the evil one. And pray for, the king, for, the, for kingdom unity. That's where Jesus prays. Jesus prays we will be one with God and one with each other. Look at John 17, 20. He says, I, my prayer is not just for them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that, that, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. He teaches us something really important here about kingdom unity. As it turns out, the nature of Christian unity is not agreement on a set of issues. It's not everybody getting along. That's not unity. That's tolerance. And the Bible never commands us toward tolerance. The nature of spiritual unity is agreement in Christ. Christian unity is rooted in Jesus. In other words, Jesus teaches us that the way to true spiritual unity is to gather at the foot of the cross and to find our peace in all that Jesus died for. Being united in purpose means bringing all of those who are on the heart of Christ to the foot of Christ, to the foot of the cross. Bringing them to the foot of the cross so that Jesus himself can pray over them. You know, I'm, I have been moved lately by these ecumenical. Remember we talked about that last week at the retreat, what ecumenical means. It doesn't mean that all the tribes have to cease, to, cease existing. And even from the Old Testament days, there were tribes. It, it just means that the, the tribes understand every place where we overlap where we can, where we can um, be in agreement with each other and we capitalize on all the ways that we can agree. And so two weeks ago, I mean, even inside the United Methodist Church, you know, where there's almost no agreement about anything, two weeks ago, a thousand United Methodists gathered at Norcross First United Methodist Church. And we prayed. And, and there was a lot of different opinions in that room about so many different things but you know what we could gather around? We could gather around a prayer for God to do a new thing, to set his people free, for spiritual breakthrough. And it was beautiful. And then for the last two days, the students have been at this ecumenical gathering and, and there were Catholics in the room and, and, um, and there were charismatics in the room and non-denominational people and denominational people. And, and we gathered and we worshiped and we prayed and it was beautiful. And so when we, when we pray, let's pray that we can be unified in Christ you know, the table of the Lord is a place where you think, well, everybody should be able to get along here. <laughs> the most central act of the faith was the subject of the Protestant Reformation. Peter Kreeft, who wrote Jesus Shock, said that, that, that around the Eucharist, they were not only calling each other heretics, they were calling each other devils. And, it, and, and, the, and the issue was how you understand these elements. How do you understand them? Catholics would say that when the world gets it, that Jesus Christ is physically, actually present in these gifts of bread, and for us it's juice, it's not even wine, then we will achieve unity. That's unity for them. That's what unity would look like. 
And they base it on John chapter 6, where Jesus declares, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. So whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. That had to, that had to be a very strange thing for people in the first century to hear. In fact, a lot of people walked away from Jesus that day. But what he's saying is that unless you really understand that my sacrifice is for everyone, that my sacrifice is real, that this is not just a memorial, that this is in some, some mysterious and supernatural way, this is you being in me as I am in the Father. All of us. It's, it's, what, it's what Jesus says. I and you, Father, and you and me and, and us in them. If we don't really understand the sacrament as that. We haven't gone as far as Jesus wants us to go with the sacrament. So we might not go as far as our Catholic friends might want to take us with the idea that, that this is the actual body and blood of Jesus, that it somehow transforms in the act of receiving it. But my prayer is that when we receive the elements, we would be one with the Father and one with the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think if these elements could speak, thank you. I think if these elements could speak, they would say, Come, Lord Jesus. I think if these elements could speak, they would be a prayer for us. I think they are a prayer for us. I think they are our prayer that we might be one with. Jesus and one with each other, that we might somehow learn to love like Jesus loves, serve like Jesus serves. I think they are our prayer that the world might know that Jesus Christ is Lord and they are our prayer and our plea for Jesus himself to come and feast with us. <laughs> I mean, what a glory. What a glory. So Jesus, that's our prayer. As you pray for us right now, we pray that you would come and eat with us. Come and be with us, Jesus. So much of this is mystery, that you've died, that you've risen, that you've come again, that you will come again. So much of it is mystery. But I trust God in the mystery. And I am praying the Holy Spirit, that you would be one with us. In fact, righteous Father, I'm praying the end of John 17. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, Jesus knows you. And I know you have sent Jesus. He has made you known to us and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for him may be in us. And that Christ himself may be in us. His body. 
broken for us. His blood poured out for us. Sanctify, holify these elements, God. Make them be for us the very body and blood of Christ, that we might be for Christ, a sign and a symbol of your kingdom on earth. God, make us one with each other and one in unity with your purposes in this world until Christ comes again in his final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet table. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, your Holy Spirit, your Holy Church. Will those who are serving come? Anybody who's in love with Jesus and at peace with their neighbor is welcome to the table of the Lord. I want to ask you right now just to take a moment. Would you just take a moment? Ask yourself, is there anything in me, anything that is kind of living in a disunified place? Is there anger or bitterness? Is there an unholy just an unholiness in me someplace? Is there anything in me that needs to be set before you, Jesus, so that when I come, I can receive everything you have for me. I can be everything you have for me. Is there an unforgiveness? Is there any place in your life where you're living halfway between sacred and secular? Jesus says that lukewarm place, it just doesn't fly. God, forgive us for those places where we, where we are content to be lukewarm. God, lead us toward deep friendship with each other. Lead us into the heart of the Father. We hear your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.